Does anyone want to pray? Okay, I'm happy to pray then. <laughs> Placing my hand on my heart, taking a nice deep breath. Breathing in love and breathing out gratitude. So grateful and so thankful to join together as the light of the world, remembering this. Grateful that in each breath, spirit fills us with more light, more love. Grateful and thankful for this technology that allows us to transcend time and space and join together, remembering that we are one heart, one mind, and one spirit. We declare our time together is helpful and is healing. And we offer up prayers and blessings to all of those who are experiencing grief, sadness, anger, depression, and anything that makes them feel separate from the love of God, which is always present and always live streaming. We ask that they feel spirit's presence and that spirit remembers, we remember that spirit walks with us with kindness, compassion, and gentleness. We offer up prayers for all of our clients and we share the benefits, this conversation and of our healing with everyone because we are one with them. With grace and gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. All right, I'm gonna check my messages. But if anyone has anything to start, um, please do. Well, I know for me, that this has been a really intense time. <clears throat> I'm feeling a lot of intensity in the world around me. I know people are experiencing a lot of loss, a lot of confusion, and, and just feeling really challenged and one of the things that I have particularly been challenged by is just my health not being sort of even um, and, you know, focusing on the physical body is something, of course, you know, tells us we're not bodies and pain is the wrong perspective. And yet when you are feeling pain in your body, and when you have ideas about what healing looks like, um, I think it's really challenging. It's really difficult. And it has been for me. 
Um, my own response to that has been to be as still as possible, <laughs> um, to just see if I can reconnect and flow a lot. Um, but I'm interested if other people are feeling this, this level of intensity that is, is to me off the charts. Um, I personally am not feeling that right now, but I do have a client who is right there with you in that same space. She's facing surgery on Wednesday. So we spent the last session kind of prepping her. Um, and she's talking about the same things you're talking about, how to have a view for how you'd like your recovery or your you know, the whole diagnostic process, surgeries, everything to go. Um, at the same time, letting go of that and just being okay with, and, she, you know, she talked a little bit about if things were to go wrong or if the diagnostics um, didn't come out, in, you know, in a favorable way and she had more things to challenge. So for her, and it was kind of interesting she, um, we had been talking earlier about for people that are eating meat, you know, that they source their meats, they have good meat sources instead of just the industrial sources. And so, at some point this morphed for her and I thought it was really cute. She kind of coined a phrase of sourcing her experiences, you know, just the way, the same way you might find the best sourced meat. And, um, so her intention for going forward to Wednesday surgery is to have to source this different, you know, she's not sure what it'll be. She knows it'll be healthier. She knows the experience will be spirit guided and she's opening to it going ease, easily, gracefully well for her. She'll be feeling better, but at the same time to let go and allow whatever must be or will be. So I don't know if that's helpful to you, Araba, but she's she's right there with you, I think, in that. Yeah, I think that the what I heard, especially that was helpful, is simply allowing this period to be what it is and to sort of anchor in um, and allow spirit to guide us through as gently as possible because for me the phrase that I just keep you know hammering home is this too shall pass this too shall pass this too shall pass because I know that to be true and, and just one more thing to add I don't know whether this is helpful or not but we we were watching kind of a documentary are you guys familiar with the private citizens that just went on a uh, rocket and they went around the earth and came back. And, okay. So I think they splashed down like yesterday. So one of them had childhood cancer, you know, and it, you know, it was just, they were kind of showing retracing how she had to have part of her growth plate removed and this prosthetic put in and her, you know, all the things, lo losing the hair, all the things that are horrible, the mother suffering. But when she grew up, it was, it had, 
it had such a profound effect on her. She wanted to give back. She works for St. Jude's. She has a medical license of some sort. And then she got chosen to be this astronaut because of what she went through. Yeah, the remembrance that it's all for us and we do not know what anything is for. Welcome, Jennifer. We prayed in. Good. We were just chatting about um, a couple things. Uh, I was mentioning, I was feeling, and I have been feeling just such a level of intensity um, happening both in me and around me. And I do understand that it feels like in consciousness, there's also a lot of intensities. We were just talking about anchoring in. And Dina also mentioned a client who's facing surgery and also feeling that in this moment. Yeah, there is a lot of intensity and density for sure. And uh, it's not going to lighten up, but we are. Yeah, and we are. Yeah, and I'm sorry I missed it in my calendar. I'm not used to having a one o'clock on Monday, especially on the day when I have a retreat at 2.30. So um, I think that was not good planning on my part. I was over at Venerable's house when GJ called me. So, um, yeah, let's see what questions there are. Any questions? Anything going on with yourself or clients that you have Questions around? Lori? I um I had a client last week and she's been coming to me for a little while in person. And she's been alluding to, I didn't understand until actually like last week that she is in a dangerous situation with her spouse. And um, when she came last week, like I've just seen her since she started, she started coming to sessions, just she's been blossoming. She's just been blossoming and blossoming and blossoming. And I found myself during that session, like immediately she mentioned something he had said to her and immediately I just felt it in my body and and I felt like she's in freaking danger. And so I've just kept giving it over to spirit and giving it over to spirit to help me know what to say. And it's, I just... I just wanted to give voice to like, that was a really difficult moment because there was this part of me that wanted to like gather her clothes and make her move in with me and like stay with me and not go back to that situation. And then there was that part that kept giving it over to spirit and going, what's mine to do? It was very, um, it's, it, it was it was an interesting experience for me, and I just didn't know if um, you had any thoughts. Like, 
how do I know when it's not like my stuff coming up that I want to like reach in and like, like be a rescuer? And how do I honestly know when I'm, because she said the week before she had shared with me and, and I, I reflected back to her what she said. And I said, so basically what you're saying is he causes you pain and you choose to stay. And she said that so stuck with her. But last week I thought to ask, has he ever physically abused you? Like, because she had been kind of protecting that for a little while. Mm -hmm. So, so anyway, just any thoughts around around that? Because I do, I want to show up responsible. And at the same time, no, I'm not being led by my fears when I'm, when I'm sitting with a client. Right. So the thing that I get, Lori, is to ask the person, do you feel like you're in any danger? I did that. Yeah. What did she say? She didn't really answer that question. Mm. She kept she kept going back and I, I reflected back to her. She kept going back to, I know I need to leave, but if I leave, he said he's going to destroy all my stuff. And so what I reflected back was, I said, well, you didn't answer my question. What I hear you going back to is that it's your stuff that's important to you. And then she backed up and she went, yeah, I guess I am saying that. And I, I said, do you feel safe? And she finally got to the point where she was silent for a little while and she started crying and she said, no. And then we came up with a plan, but I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't I wasn't leading her in it right yeah that's where questions can help us so your question um do you feel safe is an excellent one and you could follow it up with regardless of what the answer is you can follow up with so um Multiple questions in the same vein. So another question would be, is it possible he could hurt you? Is it possible? Because this is the kind of thing that um, left to their own devices, they, they, people will be like, na, 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 you know, with their fingers in their ears. And so I thought it was interesting, just as I was thinking that Fonza put her hands on her ears. Um,
to help them find the answer because when they find the answer in their own awareness, that's what's going to stick with them. That's the thing. What they articulate, what they are aware of, that's the thing that's going to stick with them. So helping them to recognize that. Um, Yeah, what I did have was the experience of seeing someone come to the realization that they were being abused. Like I had that, that was the, that was the kind of the gift that I got from really connecting with spirit, but it was, it was like on a Lori level, I just wanted to say, don't ever go back, please move in with me. Like, I'll come with you, like we'll pack your bags. But it was just one of those moments of, you know, and I, I trust that you have this spirit. I'm just envisioning her safe. I'm envisioning that I know that she's chosen this. Like I was saying those things to myself in my head. And, uh, and um, it was just, it was, I would have to say it was probably one of the deepest moments I've had in a counseling session. So. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Does anybody have any other questions that would work in that besides the ones we've said? What comes to mind is um, what would you like? You know? what are you interested in now? So we sort of hit at that spot where there's a safety issue or possible abuse and then getting into, um, you know, how might support the client in whatever next step steps they would like uh, to pursue. But I hear you, Lori. Um, and, and I feel compassion for that moment. Um, your loving heart, right? Our loving hearts would like to save people from pain while we still know that that is part of their experience and part of their own journey. Um, so figuring out where we can be truly of service without rescue. Is a fine balance, I think. Yes, and, and uh, well said, Arba. And we can, there are a lot of questions we can ask to help them ponder things like so you've been married for X number of years and you've known each other for X number of years. When you look at your husband, when you look at his family and his siblings and his friends, do you feel like you can say, oh, he's definitely growing. He's definitely becoming a more loving person. He's definitely becoming more responsible, more caring, more nurturing. 
Or do you feel like it's going in the other direction? What do you feel? Because that can help somebody look and go, oh, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's like on that trajectory. Um, Because it's very, very common, and not in this situation, it doesn't feel like Lori, but it's very common for there to be uh, something in the relationship that happens where, you know, it's like, I, I saw that he was flirting with this woman or something, you know, and it can be like, okay, so um, is that a total shock? Is that a total surprise? Um, you can ask questions and it can be revealed that actually neither of them is happy in the relationship and um, what maybe the client, the woman in this case, would like to do is, hey, boo-boo, what she'd like to do is she'd like to find a reason to leave him. You know, so and sometimes what people will do is they'll provide their partner with the reason like, you know, like that'll work for me. I'll cheat on her and then she's got a reason to leave me. And I don't mind being, you know, the dog because it's just easiest for both of us. I don't want to make her a bad person, but yeah, I'm ready to start something different. And so it, it, People do that all the time. And then they have this huge upset sometimes, you know, he did me wrong, but it's like, yeah, but you know, but there was a song. Oh yeah. It's a Keith Richards song where he says, yeah, I swam in dirty waters, but you pushed me in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So it's like, so, and I get that, you know, um, and, and relationships have a lot of that kind of thing. And so not in this case necessarily, but just asking questions about um, what's really going on, helping the person to actually look at it with open eyes and not just see their projections, that's really helpful because then a lot of times their own innate intelligence will start making decisions when they start seeing what what they have made, what they've allowed. Um, and <clears throat> part of the, you know, the, the strengthening process is to forgive ourselves for the decisions we make. So asking them... Okay, so he's a bully, he's belligerent, he's argumentative, he's hot-headed. And have you done anything to contribute to this? Have you done anything to provoke him? Have you done anything to make him the bad one and you the good one? Are you doing any kind of game-playing, role-playing like that? You know, let's just be honest about it. Um, are you the innocent one and he's the bad one? And, you know, because it does take two to tango. 
it does. I remember once I went to a, on a retreat, I did several retreats with Thich Nhat Hanh, and there was one where he was taking questions and this woman got up there and she said, my friend is in an abusive relationship and um, this guy just all of a sudden he turned into a, a nightmare guy and um, my friend is this innocent victim and she I'm trying to advise her and help her. And Thich Nhat Hanh just very quietly, simply, matter-of-factly, he said, she knew what he was when she started this. And the woman was like, no, I, no, 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 no. And he was like, she knew. She saw the signs and she chose to ignore them. And that's usually the facts. Those are usually the facts. And um, so part of the strengthening to be able to leave is to admit to ourselves, I did this. I, you know, I invited this into my life for a reason. What is that reason? Can I wake up enough to see, oh, it's because I, whatever, I think I don't deserve good. I don't deserve love. And let me start working on that. Let me forgive myself for thinking I'm trash and anybody can do what they want to me. Um, Because a lot of people will, men and women will stay in really abusive relationships because they just absolutely are convinced they don't deserve any better. And the other thing is, is that, there's conditioning over time, right? In abusive relationships. So the person feels less and less and less worthy as they go. Um, But that is the, that is the divine experiment that they're in is how low can I go? And what will I allow? And so uh, it's, they need to make that decision that this here is my bottom today is my bottom and I'm, I'm moving on from here and this is as low as it's going to get, you know, and um, sort of tangentially uh, I remember counseling someone who said was basically in this mode of I'm never going to love again. He left me and I'm never going to love again. And, I'll never meet anyone who's perfect for me like he is. And um, and I could really feel like, oh, they are going to be like five years in that place if if something doesn't shift. And so what Spirit gave me to say to them was, let's say that we knew on... March 4th of next year, FedEx is going to deliver the perfect guy for you. March 4th next year, sometime in the late afternoon, FedEx is going to bring you the perfect guy for you. So you've got 10 months, whatever, from now till then. How do you want to spend that next 10 months? You want to spend it like do you want to spend it like that? Or do you want to do something else? 
Do you want to get ready for him, for the guy FedEx is going to deliver? So that when he's delivered, you're like, I'm so ready. This is the land of the juicy right here. I'm so ready. Or do you want to be like, hey, hey, what what would you like to do if you knew March 4th next year? And it's amazing how instantly people will go, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. No. I want to have a good time. I want to be so ready. And I want to enjoy my life starting now. I'm like, yeah, right? So that's it. If you know the good thing is coming, why would you spend any time going, why? There's no point. But if you don't know good is ever coming, then you might go for the rest of your life, right? Because you just don't know if any good is coming. But what are the chances of the good coming if you're... <laughs> so it's it's finding little simple things, wake-up questions like that. And spirit has the perfect questions for each client. All we have to do is ask and trust what we get. But it's the questions. It's not our answers. It's theirs. So our job is to ask ask the questions that are most going to help them actually look at what they are thinking and feeling. Yeah. yeah. Megan. Just sorry to be late. We had a power outage through the house into chaos i had to help my mom get her breakfast so i'm sorry to be late no problem i was late too any other any questions any thoughts anything going on with clients that you'd like to share Arb and I both unmuted. We're like, you, no, you. Um, I talked before about this client that I have who um, is not a course-based client who is battling cancer. And she did read Dying to Be Me, Anita Morjani's book, and she hated it. (laughs) Good for her. (laughs) And so we talked a little bit about it. And in talking about it, she realized that what she didn't like was the implication that she could heal the cancer that, 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 or that that she might be somehow to blame. It's that old, you know, if it's the mind causing, if the mind, if the body is the projection of the body, then if the body is sick, then I must somehow have done something wrong. So it's like that extra layer of shame and guilt. And so I'm just, um, you know, we had a great conversation and I don't remember exactly what I said, but in the end of it, she, she kind of thought, well, I guess the miraculous healing that Anita went through was um, inspirational, but it's, you know, it's not for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm just back to, I'm back to that place. So if anybody has anything come through for me, I appreciate any. Did you ask her a question such as, so if you could have miraculous healing, like Anita, are you saying it's not for me? Is that what you're saying? Right. That's a good question. Yeah. 
Um, and it, it's it's okay. Some people are just like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much uh, check, please. And and uh, to me, if if somebody's in that place, it's like, okay, if you're asking for the check. Um, is there anything you'd like to add to the bill before you check out? Like, <laughs> you want to have a dessert? Would you like to have a little port wine? Maybe a little, what, a cigar? Would you, is there anything else you'd like to have before you close out the tab? Um, sky's the limit. What would you like to have? If you could have whatever you'd like to have, what would you like to have? Megan, in the in the Stop Playing Small retreat, I gave folks the assignment of coming up with a list of 100 things they'd like. Mm. I, mm. I'd like to have raspberry bushes in my yard. I'd like to go on a Caribbean cruise. I'd like my local grocery store to start carrying the soy milk that I like. <laughs> you know? I mean, just what are the things you'd like? Because um, uh, Edwin Gaines tells a story about, um, she says, it's it's an old story. You'll, you'll know that by the store she chooses. She says, we treat Sears and Roebuck better than we treat God. Because you would never go into Sears and Roebuck and say, uh, just give me something you think I'd like, <laughs> you know. But that's how we are with God. Just give me something you think I'd like. She she says, because she's big on actually declaring, what would you like? And uh, as you know, I I don't encourage wanting because it doesn't feel productive to me. It feels like energizing lack. Um, But I'd like to. I'd like to go to the movies. I'd like to get married to a man I really love. I'd like to whatever. I'd like to remodel my kitchen. You know, just writing these things down, it's amazing how it goes. And I I say I've got this table over here that um, I I bought last year. And um, ever since I got it, I thought really like to have another one of those you know I really eh, I wish I had gotten it could have gotten another one I wish they'd had more than one and I had looked for it a couple of times but then I thought okay I'm just gonna use the power of I'd like to and so a few times I said I'd like to have one or two more of those tables and I I energized it. This is what I'd like, not wanting, not craving, no attachment, just like to have it. And then the very next time I went to TJ Maxx, my local purveyor of good things out here in the boot box. It's the only place there is. Um, and they had two of them. Had two of them. So I got two of them. And uh it's not identical, but it's almost exactly the same. And I'm very happy with it, that both of them. So it's just the power. I So I do that uh, on a regular basis. I'd like to, I'd like to, if I'd really like to have something or do something or feel something, experience something, let go of something, I, I energize. I'd really like this. 
and uh, it's very powerful. So, and a lot of people aren't willing to do it because they don't think it's possible, especially if it's big. But there is no big or small in God. The manifesting the table is no bigger than manifesting anything else. It's just not. It's our willingness to accept it. I'm more willing to accept the tables, let's say, than I am for somebody to tithe to me a million dollars. I'm more willing to accept these things. But there's there's no big or small in spirit. So, and that's really true about illness. And at the same time, you know, my mom, when she got her terminal cancer diagnosis, they said, you have three months. And when I tuned in, I got three to five years. But I also got, she really is done. She's done and she would like to exit. Um, that's not what she said, but I saw the way she was acting in the years before she got diagnosed. She was more and more sedentary, more and more just kind of ambivalent. And um, yeah, she just, she wanted to move on. And, um, and she said to me a a number of times, she said, I'm just so sad to be leaving your father. I really don't want to leave him. Um, And she felt guilty about that. She felt very guilty about that. And, um, but she ended up living three more years. And so, She could have had five, though, I think. So some of these things, I think, are flexible. And um, it's, you know, some of the stuff is really, it's mysterious. It's mysterious. But everything is, is purposeful. And so it's and. Maybe this is her way of learning that she is not at the effect of the world. She's at the effect of her own mind, her own thoughts. And uh, helping her to see, can she see happy cause and effect in her life? You know, that she changed her mind about something and she brought a happy experience into her life. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think, you know, we've even talked about like while she's receiving the chemo drip to imagine it as, um, you know, empowering, life-giving, not poison to fight a battle, you know, to, to sort of turn it. And she actually texted me while she was receiving it and saying that it was was working and she was feeling the love and light coming into her body and yeah so that's fabulous yeah Yeah. that's wonderful yeah Yeah, because uh you know a lot of people you you know it could be that uh um well why doesn't everybody think of something in your life 
you changed your mind and the world changed the physical world it could be your body you changed your mind the physical world changed the circumstantial world changed you changed your mind what 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 was that thing for you megan uh, regularly anxiety about where am I going to park? I want to be close. Cause I've got my mom in the car and always when I circle the block once and I don't see anything, I remember, Oh God, show me where to park. And just about a hundred percent of the time, a parking place opens up right in the front. It just is so consistent. And so parking is sort of, I then try to take that into the rest of my life. Beautiful example. Who else has an example? Dina. We are not hearing you, although you're unmuted. Yeah. You can't use your microphone in your computer? Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, yeah. So um, I changed uh, over, I don't know, maybe a period of a year, my perceptions of my childhood. You, I guess people have heard me complain about my emotionally abused childhood, my mean brothers and all that. I was able to change that and then, you know, to just let it go and be okay with it. And I was just shocked one day at my brother's house having a dinner and he started talking to me about he's like yeah we treated you pretty badly when you were a little girl but you've really turned out well and he's never ever even talked about it um certainly never apologized you know that was just always a blocked thing almost like like they didn't remember it or something and it was just this really lovely um beautiful conversation that really touched me and I was like how he's like 67 years old now <laughs> how and this this happened when he was between maybe 12 and 16 and I just thought it was amazing that he I'm like he changed but then I realized after talking talking it through with somebody it was me I changed and maybe that opened for him something yeah for sure I can't hear yes. you all now for some reason <laughs> I'm going to wait for her to put her headset back on. Yeah, that's a beautiful example, Dina. Beautiful example. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else have one? You changed your mind and the world changed. Fonza? Uh, yeah, recently I was uh, just uh, receiving very aggressive words from my husband. And uh, I just decided to say, why do you want to change him? Why do you have to change him? He's like that. I just have to remember the truth of who mm-hmm. I am. 
Mm. And uh, she, okay, I decided this morning, I have my to-be list and I just check, I pull my, the card of willingness. And uh, usually I pull the card, I am willing to be patient. <laughs> when I decided to truly be patient for everything and feeling gratitude for everything, he didn't just, he, he's no more aggressive to me. He's not just attacking me. So I said, I said nothing. I just bow my head and uh, I think that it helped me. Yes. And uh, like uh, Megan also, when I have to go somewhere, I just ask my Holy Spirit, please guide me. I need a, a, a parking lot, this place. And when I arrive, just one person is leaving and I just have to take his place. So it's truly asking and with trust and uh, changing my way of um, choosing again, changing my way of, uh, of um, reacting to what is, uh, what I receive. Just accepting what is and to say, okay, is that true? He's attacking me, is that true? And uh, that helped me because I changed my way of thinking that I, uh, I am not what he's saying about me. Just gratitude and, uh, okay, patient. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Fanza. Beautiful. Yeah, that's really the only way the world changes is we change our mind about it. So um, for Megan with, and uh, I know you just turned off your camera, but um, with that client, uh, helping her to see places where she started changing her mind and she started having a different experience and uh and also asking are you willing to see and really understand that your thoughts are producing your life and can you do it without blame that's the thing is to do it without blame Instead, to be able to, because this is the thing about Anita's book, is it's really, um, instead of blaming ourselves for where we are, seeing, oh, I can get out of this place and go somewhere else. I don't have to stay here. Just because I thought myself into this mess doesn't mean I have to spend the rest of my life in it. I can think myself out of it too. And I do think it's helpful for me in working with folks who have cancer. Um, I used to work with someone who was extremely knowledgeable about medicine, uh, chiropractor, acupuncture, homeopath, very knowledgeable, very, very smart guy, and did a lot of work with energy and frequency. 
And uh, he said, cancer is the frequency of unresolved bitterness. And uh, I do think if people in this lifetime energize a lot of bitterness, that it can activate a latent uh, possibility that's already in their field, uh, bringing it to the surface so it can be healed forever. And so I don't ever see cancer as a failure. I see it as a, the, the full release of the bitterness. It can be, it can be. And I've seen that for people. I've seen that for sure with people who had um, devastating cancer. And I believe though, I've never quite talked about that with John Mundy. I believe that's what happened with him. And uh, I know other people in my life where they were literally at death's door with the cancer and then they had a full turnaround and did a 180 because they surrendered. Because they surrendered. They fully surrendered and just said, if you want me, take me. But I, I'm going to surrender. I'm not going to fight anymore. And that's when they started to get well. Which is similar to Anita Marjani, I think. Arva? Just wanted to make sure Megan is complete. Um, And yes, I have so many examples of changing my mind and seeing a different result, but I wanted to shift the conversation a bit to navigating grief and helping support people with grief. And maybe it's your own as well, but um, what's coming to mind is at the beginning of the call, Lori mentioned that Connie's father transitioned on Tuesday. Um, And so that's, we're sending love and prayers and support and light. Uh, I think today is a service and tomorrow. So um, just keeping that in mind and also the anniversary of I know my father's passing, as well as Linda's mother's passing, is coming up um, in the next few weeks. I also had a cousin who was found 48 years old, dead in his car suddenly, Um, you know, the oldest of three children and grieving parents. So one of the things that I am seeing is a lot of guilt and shame are intertwined with the grief, right? What could I have done? What didn't I do? What I did was wrong. And uh, just wanted to get some thoughts about supporting others and ourselves, because I've talked about shame coming up as well, um, around grief. Um, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm going to have to answer this very quickly and go because I have to stop playing small retreat and, um, in, in, at the bottom of the hour, um,
I think for me, one of the most important things about grief is it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody and not to expect or anticipate that it's going to go along any particular way and to let people have their own unique experience Um, and to let them also know that they're, they're not, they don't need to get over it because that's one of the things that is commonly held is that you're going to get over it. And to just say, you're not going to get over it. You're not going to get over it, but you will learn to move, move forward. Uh, And so, and there's a big difference between getting over something and moving forward. So, you know, we can be happy again. We can love again. We can, um, enjoy our life again but that that doesn't mean we've gotten over it um and the the people i see the that grieve the hardest they have regret they have regret they have guilt and they have shame. Those are the ones I see grieve the hardest. And that's where self-forgiveness will help them. Forgiveness that they didn't say or do what they wish they had said or done. And then the next thing I would say is it's never too late to say or do those things in the invisible because we are eternal. So the person has not left. They've gone ahead. They're not gone. They're gone ahead. But they're still fully contactable in consciousness. And what will help them the most is for us to let go of our regrets and the guilt and the shame and all those things and live a happy life. And I'm glad we have our grief group community. Because grief is is very intense. Very intense. How are you feeling uh, coming up to that anniversary, Arba? I'm feeling, good is the word, (laughs) I I feel at peace with it. Um, But I know the question has come up, like, what are we going to do for it? And, you know, for me, I, I don't quite understand. That's not in my flow of thought to sort of, celebrate acknowledge you know the death of a person um rather their life but i'm trying to be mindful and supportive of the the needs of you know my mother and my sister um to acknowledge his life and so um i just i just know that 
particularly for my other aunt, you know, she's inconsolable at the moment. And um, it's really just continuing to say, you know, I'll be there. I we're there. We support you. We love you. Um, and for people not in our community, this idea of self-forgiveness, like it, it just feels, I'll speak for my mom. Um, you know, she, she's like, I don't know how to do that. You know, and so just allowing her to continue to work through it is all I'm doing. And sometimes it doesn't feel like enough. Right. So, you know, one thing is to people could speak out their regrets, you know, publicly to speak their regrets in front of close family members. That could be very healing for people, as we all know, exposing the shame and the these kinds of things can it brings it to the light because we are the light. Um, the other thing is that to have a family gathering over a dinner meals for many people. And I sense your family, a meal is a sacred and celebratory thing. It can be. And over a meal, you know, or an evening or an afternoon or something to um, share stories, happy memories and stories. <clears throat> and, um, even if everybody wrote one down and you kept them in a book and you can bring it, you know, it doesn't have to be a work of um, literary excellence, but just, you know, and sharing that's keeping the memories alive. It's remembering what Venerable calls the joy markers. And, um, and that's a, that's a really wonderful thing to do. Yeah. Very simple. And uh, everyone can participate, even the littlest ones, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and collecting them, it, it's great. I'm going to say a prayer. Really grateful and thankful for the love of God that we are, the love of God that is now and forever. We are grateful to open ourselves to the unprecedented healing that we all desire. What I know for ourselves, for our clients, for our families and friends, for our community is that we rise in God. We rise in the love of God that is our heart. We are grateful to give up and surrender all limiting thoughts and beliefs. We are grateful to anchor ourselves in the perfection of our true identity. We're partnering with that higher Holy Spirit self, and we're choosing to reclaim our awareness of wholeness, of freedom, of joy, of wisdom and clarity, harmony and creativity, abundance and prosperity, and so much more. We are grateful to share the benefits with our brothers and sisters, knowing that we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Love you. See you next time. Bye for now. Thank you.
Thank you, Jennifer. Love you. Have a good night.